If you're not listening to the Smoke World Podcast, you're wasting your time, you mortal. What's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Smoke World. I'm your host, Stone. So go grab that stick. Go grab a glass, whatever you're drinking. Let's sit back and have that conversation. You can follow me on Instagram, IG, Smoke World Podcast. Email stone at smokeworldpodcast.com. And the website, people, smokeworldpodcast.com. Happy New Year! What's up, baby? 2023's in the building. We made it. Some of us did. If we did, thank God for that. Folks, I'm so excited to get this year started. I got some stuff going on. Let me break down what stuff is. The video. Now, this episode, I actually videoed this episode, and I'm going to upload it to YouTube. Now, with that being said, my disclaimer, the first video. Now, obviously, I'm learning how to do this editing stuff. I'm doing all this on a solo mission. So, like I said, work with me, work with me. But forget all that. Today's guest, I have Andrew Thorpe, my man Rami. Now, Andrew Thorpe is an author, cigar lover, a motivator. He's written a book called Failure Rules. He sits down with me and Rami, and we have a conversation about the book. So, I want you to sit back, relax, enjoy, and welcome to 2023 Smoke World. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Smoke World. I got my main brothers in the building. Andrew, the man, the legend, who has written a book, Failure Rules. And my co-host for the day, Rami, the motherfucking man in the building. <laughs> Rami, what's up, brother? Hey, now, what's Rami, going on? Rami what's has brought us and blessed us with cigars. Absolutely. And Rami, what, are we, what are we smoking, brother? Oh, we got the, uh, today, uh, one of my favorites, uh, especially for this good crowd. I got the, uh, gave you guys the, uh, the Hoyo uh, Black uh, by AJ Fernandez. Uh, it's a project we did. The project was called Hoyo La Amistad. Uh, it was a series of cigars AJ Fernandez did for us. And uh, that's the, uh, that's got the, uh, uh, Ecuador Habano Oscuro wrapper, mm. uh, Mexican binder, and Nicaraguan filler. Uh, kind of in the AJ Fernandez style. He's kind of got a signature, you know, he's kind of got that signature flavor. You know, stuff tastes different, but he kind of has that one signature note. And uh, that's what I gave you guys. I really love this series. It's awesome. It's been out for about four years now, I think. And uh, yeah, that was, I think, number uh, number three in the series. So uh, three in the series. Yes. Okay, I got a question in reference yeah. to this type of scenario, brother. A little bit of politics in reference to the cigar game. Yeah, yeah. You know, a cigar aficionado, those books yeah. we talk about, we read about, how much of the politics is really, do people pay to get in, and, I, and you might not be able to say. I'll say this, uh, I mean, I'll say this, that, yeah, of course, I mean, there's, look, it's like anything else, man, you like certain people more than others, you know what mm. I mean, you get along with certain people and certain companies more than others, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, there is a certain amount of influence in this and that, and uh, I'll let... You know, I'll let the one's mind figure out the rest. You know what I Say mean? No so, yeah. Say no more. Say no more. Brother Andrew's in the building. Andrew, my brother, thank you for joining me here on Smoke World, brother. You have a hell of a story. You wrote a book. Yes. But you wrote a book based on your life. That's right. Okay, so that's that's the thing. You just didn't write a book. You, you, you talk about failure, mm-hmm. the F word. That's and it's right. not the F word that people will think about when they say F word, brother. That's right. So first of all, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, brother. So let's let's talk. Let's let's start this from the beginning, if you don't mind, brother. What inspired you 
to write this book, Failure Rules? Yeah, so I think it's, you know, I'm in my late 40s now. My first two decades of my working life, the 20s and 30s, you know, by, by nature and also by necessity, I, I, was, I was very entrepreneurial. And I'm also a creative, right? So it was this idea of how do I find a way to, you know, marry money and meaning. So I was trying many things, had a young family. Uh, and throughout those two decades, I had a lot of what I would call entrepreneurial off-road adventuring. Uh, everything from running record labels to financial planning to owning online lending companies to opening a, you know, owning a gym to writing a spy novel, be, being a bodybuilder, all that stuff, all shrouded in cigar smoke because that's part of uh, my lifestyle too, you know. And uh, it was um, essentially, you know, I was taking a beach walk and it was when I was going through uh, kind of these twin failure moments or failure spaces of I just exited uh, a business uh, uh, where I had kind of a business divorce with a, a, a partner in the online lending company uh, that I had ownership in. Uh, and so I, I was going through some reorganization. There was some failure there in terms of uh, some of my core income had gone away and I had to figure out how to replace it. And at the same time, my first marriage was dwindling. And I'm mm. taking this beach walk and I'm reflecting on all this stuff, thinking about all the things I've learned, how I'm going to move forward, how I move forward in the past. What are all these kind of like inspiration inputs and virtual mentors that had kind of helped buoy me everything from you know music to podcasts to people i knew in real life and, uh, and you know real life mentors and what were all the lessons and kind of those anchoring ethos that kept me going and i thought about the winston churchill quote i mean you know obviously okay. i admire winston for his uh want to emulate his cigar smoking habits because <laughs> you know that's one of his uh core uh core attributes but you know obviously he's also one of the most quotable human beings that ever existed and the, the quote that he had which is you know uh, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm and no matter what happened to me I never lost my enthusiasm that was like the endorphin of my spirit that kept me going through any sort of pain you know just like getting in a runner's high or something and I just was like convicted on this beach walk as I'm listening to music songs that inspired me Cro-Mags, Hard Times, Motorhead, Ace of Spades Right. And singer of the Cro-Mags, John Joseph, wrote the forward to this book. He's a triathlete, author, uh, you know, rock star, all that. And I was like, I'm convicted to write a book on the value of failure. I wrote, wrote down some kind of loose notes that day. That was end of 2013, maybe. Started writing the book in 2014. As Hemingway says, all first drafts are shit. So the first draft was shit. It was all self-indulgent, kind of just, uh, you know, get it all out of me, you know, kind of thing. And then over the years, I refined it, layered in all kinds of case studies, pulled out lessons that tied in, you know, my own experiences, to, uh, experiences of, you know, uh, known figures, emerging figures, all different types of influencers. And then like these kind of like overarching rules bubbled up, kind of hovering around uh, up top of these lessons. And they became the five rules of failure. And, mm. and the, 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 the kind of the structure revealed itself over time from draft to draft. Took seven years and another year or so of editing with the publisher, Lioncrest Publishing, who also Lioncrest Publishing did like David Goggins' first book, uh, nice. who wrote Can't Hurt Me. He just has a new book out, uh, you know, uh, Never Finished. I was just listening to the audio book in the car. James Altucher published through them. So it's a, it's a serious publishing company, but it is a self-publishing service, right? So I still own the rights, but all the pro professional accoutrements to bring a book into the world was at my disposal by working with them. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the journey. And now I'm at the front end of, uh, you know, trying to evangelize, uh, you know, the value of failure to the world. And just one footnote, this doesn't mean that, like, this isn't failure porn, right? I'm not saying, go fail, it's great. Failure actually sucks. The tagline of the book is, after it sucks, failure rules. Because it first does suck. But if you metabolize it wisely, learn the rules, you can make it rule with an exclamation mark. 
Nice. Okay, so now for the listeners who are listening, brother, the lessons that you think you've learned from failure, which we all learn something from failure, but I, I want you to give your perspective on exactly what the key concept in your mind is when it came to failure that really pushed you to write a book yeah. about failure. Because, again, we all fail at something that life, that's just how life is. Yeah. So what was really your motivating factor? Because you have a lot of different pieces to that puzzle in this book. It's sure. A, it's a nice, I haven't finished a book yet, I'll be honest <laughs> with it. Yeah, it's, no it's, it's, it's like a college book a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not a quick, fast, five, ten minute, no, you know, not. one day, two minute. No, it's not. You know, I'm getting old and my glasses don't really work like they used to. Yeah. And I notice when I go to sleep at night, I'm like, these are small prints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know hey, that's why I did the audio book, yeah, too, yeah, man. That's why some people This print it, is really know? small. I'm like, damn, I think I need to maybe yeah. you know, get, an eye, get another eye exam and get my eyes examined. But nonetheless, you have a lot of key factors in that, brother. So you said you was walking on the beach. So at what point do you say, okay, guys, girls, whomever, and this world right people now. Folk. Yeah. People folk. People <laughs> folk. You know what? I've got a lesson for you guys. This is what I took from failure. Yeah. What was that lesson that really, or well, maybe that one thing, if maybe it was more yeah. than one thing, I don't know, that made you say, you know what? I need to share this with the world. Yeah. You know, I really learned something from this failure. You know, I was able to overcome some things, and now I'm moving to another point in my life based on this failure. What was that? If, that, if there's one thing or yeah. what stands out in your mind? So... Again, there's five rules. I think the two book-ended rules, failure rule number one and failure rule number five, are probably the most powerful. The other ones kind of fill in the meat in between. The first one is failure rule number one is failure purifies. And the, 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 the last one, failure rule number five, is you are not your failures. Those two, I think, were the strongest. Strongest. So failure rule number one, failure purifies. It's the idea that the phoenix must burn to emerge. That oftentimes when we go through failures or we're going through the metamorphosis that happens through a failure, whether it's a failure that is because of our own dereliction or gaps in decision making or one that just because we live in an unsafe world where things are unpredictable or things just happen you know this is an imperfect world there's war there's sickness there's the volatility of the free market anything could happen right but it's the idea that oftentimes if we step out of our failures and try to be objective observers of them instead of emotional participants in them we can look at them and we can realize that Oh, wait, this might be burning something off of me that needed to burn for me to move forward and to grow and to evolve and become a stronger person, right? So it's the idea that old thinking needs to die, new thinking can emerge, old ways of being can die, new ways of being can emerge, opening ourselves up, using the chaos of a failure space as instead of a threat to, to be fearing, uh, use it as an energy to shape you into something new and something better as you go to your next step. The author um, Nassim Tlaib, uh, great intellectual in his book, Anti-Fragile, talks about this. It's the idea that, you know, for certain people uh, who are anti-fragile, they're not just resilient. Shit doesn't just happen and they just get up and they keep going. Right. They actually get up and like a hydra, they gain from harm with like exponentiality. Like they become stronger. And it's that idea, that purification through flames. So that's one. And then you are not your failures is another. Where I think a lot of people get stuck and paralyzed is bad things happen to them. Whether it's divorce, whether it's... Uh, you know, bankruptcy, I've been through both. Whether it's been on public assistance, been there. Whether it's uh, businesses failing, been there. Whether it's estrangement from my son, which happened for a while, been there. I think a lot of people have these things and they attach it to their identity as opposed to decoupling their identity from failure events, learning from them, and moving on and finding ways to become stronger and to become, you know, uh, uh, you know a better next version of themselves. So uh, let, can I interrupt with something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nassim Tlaib, Irish guy, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, if Irish guys are Lebanese, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just cause it, hey, just because I'm a Mick doesn't yeah. mean I can't uh, quote a Lebanese guy. You know, I love the Lebanese. <laughs> now, you mentioned, like I said, failure. So I'm looking at this from anecdotal perspective of myself. I say, okay, what is this? How does this work? Because you broke down a lot of big words, man. You know what I mean? You went to college, I can tell. You know what I mean? You're a college guy. <laughs> you know, I'm a public school guy. Some of those words I didn't tell you was talking about. Mm-hmm. Just be honest with I you. I did drop out and then went back. But, you know, hey, that's another okay, failure. Right nonetheless, there. at the end of the day. You're right. He's on a different level, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, 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 I was trying to keep up. Try being friends with him for all these years, dude. You know what I mean? You, you know, yeah. I was trying to keep up with him. Just, I'm like, okay, am I following what he's saying? Make sure I know what that word means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I got to be real here. I got to figure out, oh, yeah, do I know what that means? So, when you, it's, it's the, you know, the concept. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Each individual is going to be different Yeah. when it comes to how they handle failure. Do they see themselves moving and propelling, or do they just kind of soak themselves in that moment yes. in time to say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm done. I'm going to check another path. But you're yeah. saying somewhat embrace that. Yeah. Move forward with that. Yeah. And learn from it. Now, again, each person is different. That's right. So what motivated you personally to really go there with, I mean, because I'm inspired, brother. What you said is inspired me. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, man, Rami, I don't know if we can maybe make a couple million dollars. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm writing now. a business plan as we speak. You know yeah, what I mean? So, so you yeah. know, as you talk to the, the layman, the everyday person yeah, who's yeah. struggling and working nine to five and dealing with the bills and life. Mm. You know, so, and they read this book, and they say, okay, you know, okay, I, I can grasp some things from this. I have a concept, I have a good idea of what he's talking about, but how do I apply that to my life? What would you tell those individuals? So, a couple of the concepts in the book that I think are really practical. Failure rule number four is build a thing one and thing two dependency. Thing one and thing two has nothing to do with cat in the fucking hat. Thing one and thing two is more like envisioning like a disheveled Tony Soprano waking up in his white bathrobe, having his first cigar of the day and say, hey, you've got a thing one enabler pursuit over here and a thing two North Star pursuit over there. It's the idea that you don't just go at your dreams, uh, you know, head first, right, to avoid failure as much as is possible, even though when you encounter it, you want to embrace it and learn from it. You still want to avoid it, right? Because failure still sucks before right. it can rule. So the thing one is your enabler pursuit. Like, think about how you can have a, a wide view of building your your work life or your hobby life or your pursuit life or interest life and have something that is more of a scaffolding of stability. It might be a low-meaning job, uh, you know, uh, that it might be, uh, you know, monotonous and full of drudgery, but use that as a springboard to then uh, have the flexibility and a little more safety as you go after your thing to North Star dream, right? So an example I use in the book, and a very creative example of this, uh, is um, there was these two brothers I knew. I anonymized them in the book. Uh, they were from Lebanon. Uh, a lot of Lebanese talk here tonight. They came over to this country, and to them, you know, their, 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 uh, their pursuit of happiness in the new world was they wanted to be business owners. They wanted to start a, you know, some retail uh, brick-and-mortar businesses, but they didn't have the seed money, right? Okay. So their creative thing, one enabler, with low-meaning utilitarian, was they went and worked for Disney on Ice, traveled in the merch you know, truck, selling swag to mothers of, of, of girls who love princesses, uh, for years, but they 
Disney on Ice paid for the lodging, paid for the food, so they had no home. They're married to the road. It's like gotcha. the Metallica song, you know, wherever I may roam, the road is my home, you know? And that's what they did. But they built up that seed money, low meaning, with the North Star Pursuit, their thing two in mind, and then when they were done, they started a retail empire. Ended up, you know, owning a cigar lounge, owning a gym, owning gas stations, owning a strip club. They, they ran shit, all from Disney on Ice, because they had that sacrificial mindset of using one thing to build another, right? And so it's that idea of you don't just go after your dream and disregard all else. you got to live in the real world. you got to anchor yourself to some sort of plan that has, has layers to it. Uh, so that would be, like, one, I think, practical kind of rule. Mm, okay, so do you think luck plays any role in this particular scenario? Because, again, folks are listening and saying, I like what you're saying, but I just can't get there. I just quite can't yeah, yeah. get to that next level. I, I did everything I thought I knew how to do, but I just can't get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 I, because I like to talk to the, the everyday person who's struggling, and at the end of the day, there is a rainbow sometimes. Yeah. They, again, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You got to be realistic. Everybody's not going to make it. That's right. Everybody's not going to make it. So I am just was curious to know because, again, this is a hell of a book. Again, shout out to the book. Failure Rules, folks. Failure Rules. Bam. Boom. Let them see it. There you go. Failure Rules. <laughs> and they read that and say, damn, Andrew, I'm just not quite getting where I need to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but. Do I need to pray more? What do I need? To do? Because that, that example is a hell of an example. With yeah. the Lebanon brothers saying they came over and yeah. they got the job and they had a persistent. It was consistent. Yeah. They had a dream. So and it patient. takes work. Right. It takes work. So it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-mm. We know it's not going to happen overnight. And I think a lot of people put maybe a couple weeks, a couple months into something. And then if they don't see what they think they're going to see, yeah. they fall off. That's right. It takes a long view. It takes a long horizon. It also takes kind of a knowledge of what my failure rule number two is. Failure rule number two is nothing is safe. And guess what? Your dreams aren't fucking safe either. Mm. doesn't mean you shouldn't go after them. You should because you're going to learn a lot in the process and you might discover a new dream as you're going along. Mm. So, A, don't over-identify with a dream. You might have one, but realize that it might happen. But you still should go after it anyway because going after it in and of itself is going to bring you fulfillment and might lead you to an adjacent dream that might actually be more what you ought to do. So another example of that is one of my favorite spy novelists, Vince Flynn. Because I'm a spy novelist. He <laughs> passed away in 2013, uh, you know, early in cancer, age 47. Uh, but he wrote 14 novels. But before that happened, his dream was to go be in the military. He wanted to be a Marine, right? Mm. Guess what? Nothing is safe. That dream didn't work out. He was disqualified. He had, he had you know, physical issues. He also had dys- dyslexia, right? And so then it pivoted and he found his adjacent dream, which, well, if I can't be a Marine, I'm going to write about a Marine character. And he you know, discovered and, and wrote about it. He created the character Mitch Rapp, which ended up being the movie American Assassin with uh, Michael Keaton and some, some other folks. Uh, and he began writing his spinals. But even then, shit wasn't easy. He had to have a thing one, enabler pursuit, selling commercial real estate. And then he abandoned that and took a risk and moved, uh, I think it was to Colorado. And he wrote during the day and bartended at night for years to get his first novel out, rejected by tons of publishers. So he also had dyslexia, so writing was not natural for him. So he had all kinds of things he had to overcome. Dyslexia, you know, rejection for, rejection for the publishers, all this stuff. Eventually, he persevered, and this adjacent dream wasn't his original dream. Right. Then came true. So it's about going down the path, 
having your eyes wide open to, to know that, yeah, this might be your dream now and you should go after it, but keep your eyes open for that adjacent possible. What might be sitting next to that dream that might actually be your destiny? Just keep an open mind. Don't over-identify with any one thing. Have a portfolio okay. of pursuits. Uh, so those will lock into one thing. Just keep yeah. down that same path. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of things, uh, and, uh, you know, him and I uh, talk all the time. Obviously, we're we're uh, very dear friends, uh, longtime friends. Yes, and, we are. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of it, uh, Stone, is, uh, you know, coming from a coming from an immigrant mentality. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times in the American world, it, oh, look, yeah, you're, I dreamed of this and it didn't work out, whatever. In the immigrant world, like he was saying, these two brothers, uh, you know, you can't. You can't give up. Like, yeah. you can't give up, man. Because by the time you got here, you got kids. You got, listen, they got no place to live, this right. and that. So a lot of times, man, you got to get creative as shit real fast, That's real right. quick. And you know what? You got to do shit you don't want to do. But the thing is, is everyone always says, well, how, how do these people come here and they figure it out? Listen, it's not they figured it out. They didn't have a plan. They just, it was no neat. Choice. Yeah, yeah, they had no choice. And the thing is, is they're like, listen, man, I'm going to scrub this toilet. It's going to be the cleanest toilet, whatever. And so it's going to be recognized. Right. You know what I mean? So that you kind of do all the... What people don't see is, that I think in the background, a lot of people, well, immigrant or not, people who get to a certain place, they clean a lot of toilets, scrub a lot of floors, get down on their knees, and eventually that pays off. Not always, but that's kind of the key. That's the part that I think everybody skips is, oh, well, how did they do it? Yeah. They didn't see the part where they were like, that's right. listen, get starving hustle. to death. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, man, living in a one-bedroom apartment on top of it, you know, on top of a rat-infested restaurant. You know, they didn't, they right. didn't see that part. You know, they only see the end. And uh, I, I hope that... That's right. Yeah, I think... They don't I, see the pain of the Arden yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. They don't see yeah. the agony of the Arden story. That, yeah. if, if, you know, if, if viewed correctly, can be one of the fiercest motivators for the right individuals to, to claw themselves out of either poverty or even the meaninglessness of a safe, cozy uh, job, right? Yeah. And those two things can really, for the right people, light that fire out of Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, I, look, man, I got this, yeah, I got a nice job. I mean, you know, it's not the greatest job, but it's a good job and this and that. It pays the bills, this and that. Like, sometimes, listen, man, you got to go back, you know, uh, it's kind of like, a, you know, Rocky, man. He got too comfortable in a, in a yeah, Rocky three, right, you know what I mean? Club right. Lang beat his ass, you know what I mean? Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Then he, yeah, and Apollo took him to L.A., man. He was like, yeah, he, he started to train with the animals. He's like, oh, all right, all right, this is this is where I need to be, you know Game what I mean? Changer. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is like a lot of people aren't willing to train with the animals to get where they need to go. That's you right. know what I mean? And 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 that's that's the thing. Uh, when you're around people that are hungry, it makes you hungry. If you're around yeah. people that are comfortable, okay. it makes you comfortable. That's right. So, so I'm glad you said that, Rami. I'm glad you said that. It's a good segue to. Again, who you're encircling yourself with as far as you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. That type of scenario. So you have a hell of a story too, Rami. So, you know, we might get into your story, brother. You're smoothing off right here. See, this is why I started this podcast, folks, because I love to talk to folks because they don't know the backstory. They see the glory, but they have no idea how you got to that Mm -hmm. point. So, Rami, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind, again. I don't mind. You you have a hell of a story, brother. Because it... Rami's the guest co-host today, but Rami is the man. Rami, let me see. Let me see this. He's also Rami. the he's also the guest guest. <laughs> Rami is the guy that everybody loves. He's no this cigar game. Rami knows the cigar game. Okay, folks. Yeah, so it, it's one of those individuals. I ask folks because again, I, I enjoy cigars. I smoke cigars, but the knowledge, I, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't sit down and study long enough, or maybe I don't have the care for it, but. I really respect guys like yourself, Rami, who knows the blend. You know, again, people are like Stone. You should know that. I said, well, no, my cigar smoking is cigar smoking. 
I'm a cigar smoker. I'm a guy who loves the leaf. I never claim to be an expert. Yeah, me neither. Okay, yeah, yeah. never, ne- never that, never that. My whole thing is, I enjoy cigars. I have a podcast. I smoke cigars. Some of my guests don't, but that doesn't have anything to do with what is going on. Guy like Rami, he knows his shit. You know cigars. They people love you. You're knowledgeable. How did this even get started, Rami? Let's uh, tell that story. How did that get started? Uh, listen, man. Uh, Andy had a blueprint. I had nothing. Uh, just because. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's I, uh, the whole point. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Even yeah. Better. That's yeah, even yeah. Better. Listen, man. I, I don't. I don't plan anything, man. Everything in my life happens as it goes. Uh, I don't. I don't write anything down. I don't memorize. I don't read. I don't write. I don't do any of that kind of <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? And uh, and I'm being dead serious. Andy will no, tell you. Yeah, like no. I'm. Yeah, I'm well, just I love a, about you. He don't do any of that shit, but yeah. he's a master orator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm a spontaneous. He's a master of persuasion. You know. Like, this poor guy wrote a book, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out, listen, dude, I'm, I got some learning struggles. I do. You know what I mean? I got some learning struggles. I have a, you know, probably a little bit dyslexic some, in a certain way. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but, uh, but you know, like, this guy wrote a book, and, uh, and he's, uh, you know, I'm sitting there. He's like, oh, did you read the book? And I, I didn't have the courage to, like, say, yeah. yeah I'm trying- <laughs> What's the book? What's the book? <laughs> yeah, I'm working through it. Yeah, there's you know an audio book, I mean? too, yeah. dude. That's yeah, an yeah. audio book, bro. But you know what? Uh, like, one night one night, I did break down, and I told him, I go, dude, I read three quarters of this book. Like, I just broke down. I said, you know what? Like, I'm going to read this. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to read it Because he's, he, dude, he, he's my bro. I want to, like, I don't want to keep bullshitting him. You know what I mean? So, you know, but, uh. But yeah, so nothing in my life is planned. Nothing, everything's spontaneous. Anything I try to plan, or like I always say, oh, I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. I'm gonna start doing this and that. It just doesn't work for me because I'm just not that kind of person. You know what I mean? Like I'm not that organized. I don't want to belong to a group. I don't want a label. I don't want to be part of your political party. I don't want to be part of your like. <laughs> you know, part of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't you know, so be, you're like Bill Burr when yeah, you say yeah, when he yeah, says yeah, "fuck yeah, you" yeah, in your yeah, groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't like. I don't want to belong to. You, you know what I mean? I, what I want. Listen, I, I think. I think I would say. Uh, I would say just, uh, you know, uh, my my thing is just, uh, look, I love being around people. I love being around people who love being around people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually love being around people who actually don't like people in a certain way because uh, some of their, like, misery kind of makes me laugh. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes me think, wow, dude, I'm a really lucky. You know what I mean? Hey, being Rami isn't so bad. You know what I mean? Everybody has a day where they don't, you know, they're like, oh, life could be so much better. And then you meet this cat and you're like, oh, my God, this guy. This guy's so fucking miserable, man. I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm not But the like miserable it. guys are funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the thing. Yeah, they're funny yeah. as shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't talk to Lou over there. Lou, Lou's a miserable prick. Then I go talk. You know, half an hour later, I'm like, yeah, he's not so bad, dude. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> you know, you just got to manage your expectations, you know? So, uh, but uh, no, uh, listen, I didn't, I don't have a blueprint. My life was a, a complete clusterfuck. It just went from one place to another. Uh, you know, uh, like, you know, son of a, son of an immigrant, uh, uh, a very hard nosed immigrant who's, uh, listen, tough as nails. And I wasn't that kid. Like, you know what I mean? It was kind of a letdown for him, you know, in, in the beginning, you know, damn, I mean? damn, yeah, 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 yeah. You know How many I mean? shoes you get thrown at you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. You know, listen, I, I, I thought getting shoes at you, I didn't know. I just thought it was part of every day, you know, getting a shoe thrown at you. I didn't realize, you know, how, that was an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, it just, uh, I, I really didn't I, listen. It's so hard to say how it all started. It just kind of came together. Uh, uh, you know, man, it was kind of a part, uh, being the right place, at the right time, uh, persistence. Uh, one day, I, you know, I don't, the one thing I got from being a, a son of an immigrant is I, I don't give up. You know what I mean? I don't okay. throw in a towel. And, uh, and uh, like, kind of like I said, like, I, you know, I was always kind of willing to do shit work to get me where I need to go, you know, and uh, not afraid to get my hands dirty and not afraid to do, take on a job that's ugly. That's right. You know what I mean? And not even with the intention of just, like, it's kind of like what I was supposed to do. You know what I mean? As a son, 
son of my father. I didn't want to do it, but this is like, look, man, this is what he tra- trained you for. Man. You're like, yeah, right. listen, man, you're going to clean this fucking floor on your hands and knees. <laughs> you're going to do it the right way. You'll get every crevice. <laughs> and you're gonna, then you're going to get out the fucking toothbrush and the dental floss. And you're going to clean every fucking corner. You know what I mean? You know, that's, that's what I knew. So the thing is, is like, so there was no like, uh, I really had no plan, dude. It just kind of worked out. You know what I mean? And dude, you know. But you were anchored in fucking work ethic. Yeah, yeah. Just really just you know, work. And the thing is, is like, uh, I, I would say this to ended I because I don't want to ramble on too much but like just in the end I think uh you know you you get back what you give and I like to think that I I try to give the best I can at okay. every everything I do when I interact with people I try to uh you know honest uh straightforward real uh, not try to sell them on something I'm not you mm-hmm. know what I mean and uh and, uh, you know, you'll never see me show up in a suit and, uh, and uh, you know what I mean, and a, and a <laughs> six-figure luxury car and tell it, oh, man, listen, you got to, you really got to buy this, this cigar is, yeah, this $500 cigar. That's not, that's not me, dude. You know what I mean? Okay, listen. so interesting you mentioned cigars. Yeah. How did you get into cigars, brother? Well, How did that happen? Oh, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, so when I was a kid, uh, I had uh, come over here uh, just fresh off the boat. And uh, my from, where? Uh, from Lebanon. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, uh, I came here uh, without my father because my father wasn't able to come over. Uh, immigration laws. Okay. So it was uh, me, my mother, my sister, and my grandmother came here, and uh, we uh, didn't have anywhere to live, so we moved in with my uh, uncle uh, around uh, 69th Street in Upper Darby. Okay. In a small apartment, and uh, he was in. Uh, he actually came here uh, on a student visa uh, to study medicine. So he's mm. a, he's a physician. And uh, um, anyway, uh, so like, you know, I don't have, you know, it was just that time went on and whatever. Then actually, after he became a doctor, like I, it was like a sign of success. I mean, it's a huge thing. You know what I mean? Coming it's from a, nowhere oh, yeah. to come here, you know, go Absolutely. to medical school. And, you know, that's a huge thing for us. Absolutely. It so is. like I always kind of like looked at him like I, I always looked at him and thought, wow, man, this cat, you know, what I mean, he's got it all. I don't have the brains he does. I don't have whatever. But, you know, maybe if I emulate some of the things he do, does, I'll like maybe get yeah, I'll get where I need to go. So every night when he came home, he would come come home, he would put on a smoking jacket, light up a cigar, and pour a couple fingers at Chivas Regal, and I'd be like, wow, this guy. You know what I mean? And he had that big, yo, and he bought that, you know, when he got to, became a doctor, because we live with him, because right. uh, he didn't have a family yet, and he, would, he bought this big-ass TV, you know what I mean, with all the latest and great, you know, those big-ass... Like console back TVs, again. you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? You, you know, big boob tube. Back yeah, 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 yeah. With the with the instamatic, pounds. Yeah, yeah, instamatic remote. And Took everything. like six movers to get shit in the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. you know what I mean? I'm watching this cat. I'm like, wow, man, what's this guy? You know, I'm like four or five years old, something like that. And I'm looking at this guy, like, wow, this guy's got it all to get. That's what I wanted to. You know what I mean? Other guys are like, yeah, I want to play GI Joe. I'm like, ah, that's he's hanging out on the couch. You know what I mean? He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's there's Smoking, something. There's something to this. Drinking. Like he's thinking, you know what I mean, and like you know having deep thinking thoughts. Thinking and drinking. Yeah, and I, you know, and that's kind of where I got. That's was kind of like the. Now, that was like the, the where it all started for me. I kind of did you ask him like, hey, mentor. Did you ask? Did you come to him and say, hey, what are you smoking? What is that you're smoking? No, because like it, like in, in our culture, you're not supposed to like ask quite like we weren't allowed to ask que- questions. Like, just like kids. that's what adults kid. You know what I mean? Right. Mind your business. Yeah, yeah. Mind Get your fucking business. Yeah, yeah. Go play with GI Joe or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the kung fu grip. Don't forget. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's right. With the kung fu grip. <laughs> so so the thing is, it's like you just you know you just have to observe. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you're timid. You don't want to ask questions because you get your ass beat. You know what I mean? What are you talking? What are you doing? That's what adults do. You don't want to do that. You know what I mean? That's he knows what he's doing. It's not going to hurt him. And you know, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, man, that's where it all started. And then it was kind of like always a thing for me where I was like, uh, you know what, man? I, I just kind of want to like uh, get involved in uh, not get involved. Like I didn't want to like just 
it was always in the back of my mind that that was like what I wanted to do. You was, know what I mean? You were attracted yeah, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, magic yeah. Of, of the pleasure world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a pleasure-seeking dude. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Are you a practical hedonist? Yeah, yeah. I'm a very, very practical hedonist, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, dude, it just went from there. Like, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't ambitious. Like, I, you know, I didn't... Uh, get, College uh, didn't didn't work out too well. So you didn't have good marks? No, no, uh, no, no, not good marks. Uh, barely, barely made it to school every day. But uh, <laughs> skid marks, any of those? Yeah, lots yeah, of skid, skid marks. Lots of skid marks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, And then uh, yeah, man, it just kind of worked out, dude. I just kind of did did my work, did did from this and this. And I did listen, dude. I started at the retail level. Like I start literally started in the scar business, mopping the floor, cleaning yeah, yeah. a toilet mm. for an old school guy, just like my dad, who uh. wasn't like. Oh, let me show you how to... Listen, again, I wasn't allowed to ask this guy questions. He didn't train me on anything. He didn't show me anything. So I did all the shit work. But what I did, I think uh, what I really did was instead of trying to get ahead by by, um, asking questions, Mm. I observed... I learned everything by osmosis. I learned everything by getting yelled at. You know what I mean? Like basically, you are a master observer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just got yelled at a lot and said, "All right, well, do this. Don't do this. Well, you could do this. All right, fine, I'll do this." You know what I mean? So that's kind of how it all. uh, That was that's the beginning, man. That's the beginning, and then it just kind of. Can I make a few comments about the Ramar here? Yeah. So he's very modest here about not having a blueprint. Yes. And he might not have, but that doesn't mean the motherfucker doesn't have strategy when he when he sees something. Doesn't mean he doesn't go after it. No. Yes. Might not have a blueprint. But when he sees an opportunity, he, he, he gets a strategy, he latches onto it, right? So he actually lived out and exemplified some of the themes I talk about in the book, right? One of the themes is, as I mentioned before, the adjacent possible, uh, which is an idea Richard Branson talks about a lot. There's a book called Where Ideas Come From that talks about this. It's that idea of, like, what am I doing now and what's right next to it that is possible adjacent to it that maybe I lurch into next, right? So there's that concept, and then there's the concept of intersecting two ideas, marrying them, and creating something new, a new opportunity. So Rami, you know, whatever, sweeping the floor as a clerk at the cigar shop, right? That's one skill set. He saw the adjacent possible because his day job was wholesale delivery for auto parts. So wholesale skills, wholesale sales skills mm. with cigar knowledge, uh, right? He left that he out. He took the adjacent, okay. po- yeah, yeah, adjacent, yeah. adjacent possible, and he's like, yo, I'm marrying these skills. I'm intersecting these motherfuckers, yes. and I'm going to go after the opportunity. I'm going to become a wholesale cigar person, right? So he took his thing one and, and, and his night job, turned him into this thing too, right? It became who he is today. So him saying he doesn't have strategy, I ain't buying it. The man uh, knows what he's okay. doing. Okay, you see that? Uh, Rami, yeah. you left it out. get out it, man. I get out it, you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but like Andy, like, like, uh, like Andy said, he, uh, you know, uh, listen, man, uh, sometimes people don't see, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Mr. Miyagi said to Danielson, not everything is as it seems, you know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes you're doing shit that you don't want to do, but there's a lot of, like, if you stop yeah. and observe uh, from people who, and look, I learn from people who are, like, not nice people, you know what I mean? Right. Like good people, but not particularly nice, like Absolutely. not warm and fuzzy. Right. But the thing is, is sometimes not sociable. They're yeah, not yeah. sociable. Yeah, and they're not going to teach you anything. But if you observe, right. you're going to figure it all out. Yeah. And sometimes they're the best teachers because Ooh. you know what I mean. Like sometimes mm. their impatience and their uh, you know 
being a complete asshole actually like <laughs> motivates you to say, oh, okay, well, I'm only going to tolerate this for so right. long. Yeah. You know, and I mean? also yeah, you yeah. can say, well, I like what he did here, but I'm not going to be an asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, man, how what to what to pull and what not to. How do you do this? Be a nice guy and go to sleep at night with a clear head. You know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. That's that's what you do. So, all right, Andy, how did you get into the the life of loving the leaf, brother? How did that? I mean, how did that go down? You know, I got I gotta say, you know, I dabbled in cigars here and there, but usually shitty trash bag cigars when I was broke, motherfucker. But he came out and visited me when I lived in Toledo, Ohio. I lived in the Midwest for about seven years when I was building my record labels. When I was working in the music industry, uh, and uh, I had gone out on my own, was running my record labels full time before I hit some turbulence and had to kind of uh, turn into a uh, you know portfolio manage IP rights and go into finance. But there was a time where he came out to visit me. And, uh, you know, I had this office downtown. I don't feel like hanging out there. I had to do a little work on the laptop, but we were hanging out. I was like, yo, any cigar lounges around here? He was starting to get into cigars. It's like 2005. So we went to this place, Port Royal in Toledo, Ohio. Hung out, met a bunch of great dudes, smoked cigars, drinking coffee. I'm doing work on the laptop. I'm like, this is the fucking life. This is the way to work. <laughs> you know, like remote working, uh, you know, pause for a minute, shooting the shit, hanging out. He left, went back to, you know, Philadelphia. And uh, I'm still there in Toledo. Next thing I know, two, three days a week, I'm working out the cigar lounge. And it just became, that's when I became a lover of the leaf. Like you, I'm not like, you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't, no, I don't know all no, the ins and outs no. of everything. I don't remember all the shapes and the sizes, you know. I know full-bodied, light. I know what I like, you know. I know what I don't like, right? But uh, I just became, the, it, it's, it's the feeling. It's, it's the ambiance it's created. It's the, the, the aromatic pleasure. Yes. It's, it's the coupling with coffee or chocolate or, or bourbon, whatever else. It's the, the, the feeling of a cigar when you're driving your car and you got music, you got smoke in the mm. air, you got mm. the movement Preach. of the car. Like, Preach. It, it's like without, Preach. without the cigar, like I was sick for two and a half weeks. It was like life was like dry fucking toast. Like there was yeah. just no flavor to it. I needed the cigar, yeah. you know? Yes. And, uh it just became, I just fell in love with it, man, you know? Bro, I'm glad you mentioned the music. We're not going to skip that, brother. We got to talk <laughs> about this music life. You know, in my former life, I did music myself. But let's talk about the music life, brother. Yeah, yeah. What do you play? I don't play nothing. I was in a hardcore punk band one time, and uh, I wouldn't even call it singing. It was just me shouting and screaming anthemic anthems, right? Well, so I did that, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I, I, I was... Uh, I was a record. I own record labels, so I own the rights to like over hundred. Right, uh, let's talk recordings. about it. Let's talk about it, baby. Let's so for that, like I don't, I don't. I'm not in the music. I oh, you in the music, baby? I, I'm in the music, music business. I, I sign bands, recording contracts. I market, distribute their music, get it out to the world. Uh, do all the nuts and bolts of the behind the scenes stuff to to get the, get it out there and well, help that's the, the, the system. Well, you know what? That's the part people don't realize. As musicians, yeah, this is a music business. It ain't easy. So. At the end of the day, no joke. don't sit here and say, um, this, no, you're the main guy. <laughs> this is what they need to know. Those yeah. musicians, rappers, yeah. singers, artists, whoever, drummers, guitar, they need to understand the business. Yes, so, they do. Yeah. Because it is a business. So don't skip over them like, oh, I was just a business guy. Yeah. So let's talk about the business side of that, brother. Let's get into that a little bit. Sure. So tell us, how did you get into the music business? How did that happen? Yeah, so I was coming out of college and uh, I was just had this passion for underground, independent music, alternative music, hardcore, punk, metal, whatever you want to talk about it, you know, rock and roll, baby, you know, that was my thing, gave me a lot of energy, spoke to my soul, soundtrack of my life, got me out of the bed every day with, with uh, you know, with, with, with fury and, 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 and uh, zeal, you know what I mean, so I was... Uh, out of college, I dropped out of um, student teaching and just took an English degree. And so I was like, all right, how can I marry my love for music with, with writing? Started writing for music magazines, didn't pay shit. I was like, all right, what's the next step here? What's the adjacent possible? 
going to start a record label. Knew a guy that had a record label, and I just shadowed him for, for free, just learned everything I could. Learned the contracts, learned the aesthetics, learned the language, got, got his Rolodex, started making contacts. And I was uh, freshly married at one point after I was in a band that we broke up. And uh, I was laid off my job as a bill collector for Ford Credit, collecting unemployment, delivering pizzas, and balls on the table, took a risk, maxed out my credit cards, signed this New York hardcore band called Breakdown that I always love, and put out a record, got a distribution deal. Instantly, I was in lots of debt, and uh, I was in the hole. But I had some recurring revenue, and I had... Like Churchill talked about, success, success is going from failure to failure without right. loss of enthusiasm. Fucking enthusiasm was there, you know, and, and then I just kept going. I found ways to get financing and uh, keep going and sign more bands. Eventually, it wasn't really to my 36th release that I had any real success. Mm. I mean, it's like an insurance pool, man. It's like, you know, you, I put out 100 records, maybe 15 actually survived perennially to uh, create revenue while you right. sleep without... without some royalties or something. Yeah. Change it, you know? Yeah, and like, uh, it was my 36th release, I signed this band, Madball. New York hardcore band, uh, Hispanic guys, they did some songs in Spanish too. They got groove in them too, because uh, singers also in hip-hop bands, right? But it was a hardcore band, street hardcore, you know? With a little bit of like, kind of that hip-hop flavor in it. And uh, they were hugely popular. They're still playing today. They're a full-time okay. band. They tour the world. You know, nice. they've you know done tours with like Limp Bizkit and stuff. They've been all over the place, right? I'm not a big fan of Limp Bizkit, but you know <laughs> that's kind of like you know where that's that's their their caliber. They've even been on like the No Jumper podcast, which is a very large hip hop podcast. Right. Singer was on that, and I signed them, and then it was like bam, I had that social proof, and from there, Cascade, I was able to sign other bigger bands who wanted to be associated with this brand I was building. So that that happened. But I hit this point where I went from dropping my thing one and going full time on my thing two, and uh, I was over-investing in the records, going too fast, and I got over-leveraged. At the same time, the digitization of music happened mm. quicker than I thought. And all of a sudden, the returns on the retail level coming back from Tower Records were really, really high. Tower Records went, went out of business, cut 25% of my sales. Oh shit! I'm over leveraged. I overinvested these few releases. They haven't recouped yet. I ran into real trouble, and that's why I had to scale back and then go into finance and banking and kind of pare down my record labels into something that was part time. And I still had been doing it for ten to fifteen years after that. Okay. Uh, I still do them today, here and there. I maybe release two or three records every couple of years. Then I take a break. Still work with some bands now that are still active. Uh, I started a second label that was more the genres are they call it psychobilly, which is a mix of old rockabilly and punk rock. And uh, you know, and Celtic punk, so bagpipes with with, with mm. fast music. You know, uh, it's band Flatfoot Fifty Six, similar to like Dropkick Murphys. If anybody in your audience knows them, and uh, you know, I kept it going. So it actually became more fun when I didn't rely on it for a full time income. Still gotcha. monetizable, but became so much more fun because it was back to that passion and the hobbiness of it without the pressure. Right, right? and uh, it ended up being something that's just. I guess, you know, part a little bit part of my legacy, right? So I write about a lot in the book. All right, so now I want to give a little nugget, if you can, to those who are listening who are aspiring musicians, artists, what do they need to understand about this business? Yeah. Well, you, you know, know what? what I mean? Because now digital changed the game. Bob. Yes, it did. Hell yeah. Let, let me just pop in on that. Yes, I sir. think the key thing, the key thing uh, Andy said and the key thing, uh, like kind of what with, with uh, me too, like doing this whole thing, is I think him and I had the fortunate uh, situation to learn the business from the, you know, I think in the cigar business too, it's mm -hmm. the same thing. I tell people, I go, listen, man, you got to learn the business. If you don't learn the business, 
it's all a wash. Yeah, like, right. it doesn't mean yeah. anything if you don't know the business. Like, hey, man, listen, I can go out, moonwalk, do my dance, you know, <laughs> sing a couple karaoke songs, and you know, you know. But the thing is, is I also, the whole time, just like him, I'm sure, just like anybody in business, the whole time in the back of your head, you got to gotta be like, all right, man, I got I to gotta figure out, you know. And that's a, most important. I, I would say that's a really key thing is, is learning everything from the basement. From the ground up. All the, way, right. all the way to the roof. You know what I mean? You got to build a foundation and, and to build just, a house, and, you know. And, you mentioned digital because the digital game, when I was doing production work in the mid-2000s, yeah. and as things, the internet. That's when it happened. YouTube, yeah, brother. The game changed. Big time. Whereas, though, you didn't need the A&R. Yeah. You can actually promote yourself. Yeah, you got direct access. Right. You can say, you know what? I can get my own audience and have these folks now, these labels, come look for me. Yeah. If I'm hot enough, got social media, you can change the game. They're looking for me. Yeah. I don't need y'all. Yeah. Fuck y'all. Guess yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. If I want to deal with you, I can deal with you. Right. You bring me the numbers. Yeah. I got the bag right now. Yeah. So what would you tell, I can say this would be young, but the yeah. aspiring artists at this moment in time in life, you coming from the business perspective, which is an important perspective. Yeah. And a lot of folks don't realize that because they understand, you know, oh, I'm going to make my music and do my thing. That's great. But it's called the music business. business. That's right. It, so I want you to go yeah, just give them a little nugget of the business aspect, if you don't mind. If yeah, you sure. don't mind, so educate him a little bit. Just to, just to piggyback on what he was saying, the part I left out was my day jobs throughout this whole time was in the music industry. So I was getting a paid education by day. I, I was uh, running the wholesale department for a metal label, Relapse Records, for two years. And I was one of the top salesmen at a distributor, Lumberjack Mordam, in, in Ohio, where I was part of the you know initial retail plans to launch big bands like All American Rejects, uh, like Poison the Well, uh, like bands like Terror, all kinds of like. So I got that on the ground grind, grimy experience, just like he did working as a scar clerk, working wholesale and auto parts, marrying those skills, right? So you do have to start from the inside, man. You got to find a pet way to penetrate and get that paid education in whatever space you're trying to like crack into, right? But in terms of like artists and um, Advice, I would say a couple things. One, disintermedi- disintermediation is real, right? What you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The gatekeepers have, have been minimized. They're still there, and they still Absolutely. have a place, but they've been minimized, right? But with that direct access where everybody can upload their shit, there's also more competition. Yes. Before, if you got the attention of the gatekeeper, you had a higher probability of success. Now you're competing with everybody, yeah, right? So that's tougher. But there is still a place for the marriage between a label and artist. One, artists have to realize they are going to have to do most things themselves. And making a good record is only the start. Mm. Good record don't mean shit if you don't know how to get out in the world. Right. Writing it's a book don't mean shit if you're not going on podcasts and figuring out the mechanisms to get the world to pay attention to it, right? right. doesn't matter. you got to learn that part. And that's the harder part, right? you got to be organized. you got to have a plan. you got to map that shit out. you got to grunt. you got to hit the pavement. And, um, you know, I think for artists, right, like certain artists do still can benefit from labels. Uh, there's more of a tug and pull between the risk reward, right? If they want to carry more risk, uh, then they can get a deal with a label where they have more favorable terms. But if they want a label to take on more risk, they're going to have to give up more, right? In terms of rights and mm. percentages and all that stuff. So it's always a risk reward tug and pull between the parties. But I find that there's still niches of, ba- of bands that uh, they have some momentum, they have a certain amount of sales, but they still want kind of the the uh, support of a label in terms of hooking them up with uh, you know, publicity apparatus, branding, you know, the, the uh, social proof of, of being on a label with other bands that are known and mm-hmm. that, how that gives them some notoriety, tour support. There's still reasons to par- partner with a label. But the models are much more flexible now. 
I do a lot more creative deals than I ever did before because they don't need me as much, but they still need me a little. So it's different in the days where back and forth it was like, you know, if you don't sign a label, your shit ain't getting out there. Right. So I'm a gatekeeper. I'm interested. Here's what's happening. I'm taking all the risk. You're not. Gotcha. You know, Put so that money behind. You. I think it's just it just it's, it's it's a different world. But I think it's a great world for the artists. It's better for the artists, and there's still a place for labels. Mm. Did y'all hear that, folks? You better be paying attention because that's free on Smoke World. Free. Preach, brother. Free. Andy, preach. Free. Now, speaking of some information, Rami. Yeah. One of my favorite cigars. Yeah. Is coming back. Yes. Yes. What the fuck is going on, Rami? The Amazon Basin people. <laughs> yeah. Listen to me, folks. The Amazon Basin is coming back. Now, because when it came out, it was only limited. And every year you guys teased us. It ain't coming out no more. What you see is what you get. Don't ask for no more. That seems to have, I'm not going to say went away, but the Amazon Basin is coming back again. Enlighten us, brother. Uh, it is. Uh, it's coming back a little bit different. Uh, so it's the same blend, same everything. Uh, we're just uh, we're doing uh, experimenting with some different aging stuff, and uh, and uh, you know a bit of a different. The box will be the same. I think it's gonna be a different color. So uh, so uh, and I'm talking pre-production here. So I, no, I just see the box. They yeah, sent me the box. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a black box with yeah. some green writing. Yeah. So but, I, I did see it. But knowing uh, knowing I got some inside scoops. Knowing uh, knowing me, it'll come out a totally different color. It'll look a totally different <laughs> way, and it'll be uh, fucked up. And I'll be like, yeah. If it looks like yeah, a sneakers, it make everybody yeah, turn yeah, the fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really, man. It's a uh, you know what are they say in uh, uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. It's got Sony guts. You know what I mean? It's got yeah, you know. Doesn't say Sony on the front, but it's got Sony inside. You know what I mean? So on, Sony on the inside. So. Uh, uh, but uh, no, it's uh, listen, man. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a fun project. It's been a nerve wracking project because uh, you know obviously you're uh, you know people are waiting, and when people yes. wait, they have expectations, and uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it always kind of has to hit the mark perfectly. Perfectly. Okay. It has to be kind of right there. Uh, uh, the 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 blend, the aging, all that stuff has to be right there. Uh, the packaging and all that stuff. So, uh, dude, it's fun. Uh, it's fun to be a little nervous. It's fun to be a little like. It's fun to be wobbly a little bit because, uh, listen, man, in the end... Wobby-sobbly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wobby-sobby. So- yeah, yeah, yeah. Wobby-sobby. Uh, uh, Andy, what does wobby-sobby mean? Uh, according to David Lee Roth, it means it's perfect because it's a little fucked up. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? And that's uh, that's a name uh, that should be the theme of my existence. As well as you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so it's... Uh, listen, man, uh, the best thing in the world after that comes out is uh, seeing uh, how happy people are to have it. Seeing all the like people posting it and all that stuff, and just you know, man, it gives you it gives you a great feeling of like, wow, you know, you did something cool because uh, people wait for for so long. Yes. You know? Now, speaking of waiting, mm-hmm. when can we expect this product to be hitting the market? Uh, so again, uh, we have <laughs> stand by, <laughs> saying, stand by, saying, <laughs> stand by. They're saying, saying next week, moving but, uh, target, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, moving target. <laughs> but uh, so next week we're looking at okay, so that's. January yeah, of 10th, 12th, yeah, that yeah, week yeah. of that week. Yeah, yeah, in that, in that, yeah. So sometime in the next, I would say safely, sometime in the next two weeks. But sometimes things happen. Sometimes uh, you know, logistics. Uh, okay. Cigars are handmade. Uh, sometimes things aren't ready. Sometimes box. You know, they're, uh, like uh, like Andy was saying. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces to the cigar business. There's a lot of stuff in the background that people don't see. They only see the romantic part. They don't see the actual work that goes yes. in. And there's a they ton don't see of, the Sony guts. Yeah, yeah. They actually do not see the Sony guts. Thank God they don't see the Sony guts. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, entrails yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you just have uh, – there's a lot of moving pieces. And uh, and those moving pieces are t- – you know, it's it's kind of strange. 
because everything today is manufactured. It's built, you know. Cigars are still handmade, you know what I mean? Still hand-rolled. Yes. Uh, they're made by individual people, uh, uh, like like you, me, and, uh, and Andy. And, uh, and listen, uh, there's... Um, delays there's uh things you know uh ship not cut getting on you know getting out of the port get not being able to get into port there's uh warehousing stuff so there's a lot of logistics that go into uh you know miscommunications so it's kind of tough when uh i'll say this uh, i'll say in the shortest possible way when things aren't automated it's really tough to make sure things show up on time Okay, uh, I got you, you, you know I, what I mean? So I, I, I want everyone in the cigar world to understand that. Oh, why is it taking so... Listen, it's not automated. It is It is completely like, hey, hey, bro, did you... You know what I mean? It's, it's all, all phone calls, e- emails, and, and uh, you know communication that goes into that. Now, here's the million-dollar question, Rami. Mm-hmm. Will this be a one-and-done? Or can we expect... I mean, because, you know, the Amazon Basin, again, I never had a favorite cigar. Right, right. And I've been smoking since, like, 1995. Yeah. The Amazon Basin are a banger so what is going to be to follow? This comes out. Is this going to be, thanks for coming out, God bless, good night. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or are we going to be teased again and say, you know, this is not going to happen again, and then maybe two years later we pop up with something different? No, I think, I think what happens is, uh, I think what happens is uh, when, when, when something like this comes out, you know, what I, you know what I mean, there's a big woo, you know, and then it kind of calms down, and, you know, and then, uh, and then yeah, yeah, and then, uh <laughs> You know, and then how do you how do you top that again? People kind of want to stop thinking. You know, the companies kind of want to stop thinking about it. You know, until you know, but they're already working on the on the other stuff. You know, okay. that's all in the you know in the, in the making. So, yeah. So what's the pipeline look like? Is everything about twelve months out in the planning stage, uh, or six pi- months out? It could it, it, uh, honestly, there's there's things we plan out. Uh, I mean, eighteen you, months. You'd be shot way longer yeah, yeah. into years like yep. like okay. five years seven right. years okay uh just with like a rough idea like a rough sketch of mm-hmm. like gotcha you know nothing uh could be something uh right. i don't i don't know i don't know every part of it. yeah yeah but there's some hey in in uh say 25 we're gonna have this we're gonna have that but uh you know like you can't the problem is in the cigar business like any uh, any other business you don't want to give people too much information because information starts to go, oh, it's coming out, it's coming out, but it didn't work and out. Everything Sometimes, changes. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, listen, um, you know, Mother Nature got involved and she decided that it wasn't going to, you know, what was coming out in 25, the hurricane came through and it didn't really, uh, you know, it didn't it come to fruition. itself. Yeah, so, so the thing is, is you just don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. So okay. I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, we know things are coming out. We have an idea things are coming out. But we just, again, don't want to get ahead of ourselves because when uh, something doesn't work out, then it kind of looks like a, no pun intended, a failure uh, <laughs> on our part. Or, or any other failure cigar. Rules, yeah, yeah, but, but failure, failure does rule. But only after it sucks. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the part true. where it sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so you're saying it, it won't be necessarily a one and done. No, okay. no, no. So no. this may be a regular? Uh, I don't, it, won't, it won't be a regular thing, but I think, I think the pattern is, and I'll go, I'll go by the pattern. Okay. The pattern is usually 12 to 18 months you see Amazon based. Okay. You know, and as long so as... it's not annual necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not annual. It just kind of comes at the right uh, yeah. right place, right time. And when we, uh, um, I guess, kind of acquire the right amount of tobacco to do a full production right. run, I think that's the big thing. I think the materials are the, are the big thing. Okay. You know? so, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and you, probably not, you may not know the answer. Yeah. Do you think the Amazon Basin will be ever a regular... No. Okay. No. Okay, you already knew no. where I was going. With yeah, that. no. Okay, yeah. that'd be. A I, I, I could, I could say, uh, ninety nine point nine percent firm that, yeah, that, that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks, you heard it. Get your Amazon basin. You heard it first here on Smoke World. 
the Amazon Basin is coming back. The one you love, because they fight over the cigar, brother. Yeah, they uh, fight uh, over this. And cigar. available at all the uh, fine uh, brick and mortar retail tobacconists in uh, in the beautiful tri-state area. The you know, ones so that oh. Rami actually really, really <laughs> loves. Right, right. The ones that Rami run. So yeah. if you ain't in Rami run area, yeah, that's right. Sorry, you're yeah. shit out of luck. <laughs> damn, damn. If you damn, got a made store damn. in Rami Land and uh, as the capo, then uh, yeah, you ain't part of the family. You're not getting <laughs> that. All right, so as we wrap up, fellas, Andrew, I want you to give a little bit of shout out, brother, of where folks can find you on social media. Okay, talk about the book. You got a website. Give all the yeah. information out. Let these folks know where they can find this book, brother. You got it. So, andrewthorpeking.com. No E on the end of Thorpe. That's my website. From there, you can sign up for my free Failure Rules mini course. It gets you on my email list. You'll get weekly nuggets of failure wisdom to your inbox. Mm. Unique content. You can also get my merch page there for my company, Soul on Fire Supply Company. Kick-ass designs, echoing the themes of the book. Have my own special cigar line called Soul on Fire Smokeware Whoa. with six cigar-related designs. Ooh, They're badass. This. Check them out for your cigar lovers, which is all of you. Uh, also, you can get my YouTube channel, some produced videos there. Brings the themes of the book alive in a different way. And uh, you can find the book anywhere books are consumed online. I mean, anywhere. And all formats, audiobook, a beautiful hardcover, paperback, ebook, whatever your uh, whatever your inclination. Okay, now are. I know you got some, you got social media. I know you got IG. What's your IG handle? So folks oh, yeah, can yeah. come chase you in. That's IG. one of the most active on social media. Is yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Give so your IG out, bro. Andrew at Andrew Thorpe King. No, we on the end of Thorpe. Yeah, follow me on Instagram. Damn, Get that's it. the man, Rami. Rami, the man is in the middle. Rami, Rami might not want to be found. I don't know. Uh, Rami, let me like Lipson Stone. Don't put me in that shit. Listen, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know, Rami. Yeah, he said he said he said an unknown location I, in a bunker. I, 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 listen, I, I I'm a, I'm like a uh, like kind of like a, a, a Bedouin, a traveler. You know what I mean? So uh, so I kind of move. I kind of how you move? How yeah, you yeah. Move. But uh, listen, I just want to tell everybody tomorrow night, if you are in uh, in the uh, tri-state area, I will be at one of my. Uh, favorite spots, East Squared Cigar Lounge. Mm. A beautiful, beautiful family run uh, uh, cigar and uh, cigar lounge bar. Yeah, Omar, my man. Uh, Omar his, coming. His uh, his uh, beautiful wife Quincy. Uh, I get you to uh, hang out with them tomorrow night. And listen, man, they turn it up and they bring the best out of me. Uh, listen, it's one of those events where uh, I actually think shit. How am I going to outdo the last one? Kind of thing. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. So uh, come out if you're looking for a great time. Uh, uh, support this shop. They are uh, great people, great family, and uh, the company is second to none. And so. I might be there as an underwhelming sidekick after 9 p.m. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, Brother Andrew, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted the folks to know before we shut it down, brother? Man, I'm just going to harp, harp on failure rule number five. You are not your failures. If you're going through something and you feel like it's bringing you down and it's sucking away your value and identity, don't believe that, own, that bullshit self-talk in your head. Decouple yourself from your failures. Step away. Objectively observe it. Find a way to move forward and keep going. Like Churchill would say, keep buggering on. KBO. Damn. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Well, brothers, I want to thank you for being a guest on Smoke World. Smoke World. Appreciate you, brothers. Appreciate it, folks. Well, there you have it. Brothers, thank you. Andrew. Rami. Thank you. Thank you, brothers, for joining me. Appreciate you. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Smoke World in the books i want to thank the rabbit air for sponsoring the show this episode was sponsored by rabbit air if you're looking for that innovative effective and stylish product to improve your air quality backed by a friendly customer centric service you need to check out rabbitair.com 
beautiful andrew rami love you guys thanks for being part of the show you can follow me on instagram smoke world podcast email stone at smokeworldpodcast.com and the website folks smokeworldpodcast.com and yes this will be on youtube but i warned you stay tuned people love you check you out on the other side peace